God, I praise you and I thank you for your grace and your mercy. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you the glory. God, we are so, just so thankful that you have a plan. That, Father, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And so what you start, you will finish. And if you set it, we can believe it. God, we pray, Father, that you would have your will and your way in today's service as we look into your word. Speak to us afresh and anew this morning, God, I pray. Guide us, lead us, mold us and shape us, God, to be exactly who you want us to be here at OC. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen? You can be seated. Thank you. It's my privilege to be here this morning um, and to share with you the Word of God. We are here on part two of our series we're calling God's Plan. Somebody say God's Plan. You believe God has a plan this morning? Half of us. Okay, that's cool. Uh, You believe God has a plan this morning? Somebody tap your neighbor on the shoulder. Tell him God has a plan. All right. All right. Your neighbor was encouraged by that enthusiasm. God's plan, that's what we're preaching on for the next few weeks. This week is part two of that, uh, that series, and I am excited about today. Today we get to talk a little bit about this plan, talk a little bit about what God has been speaking uh, directly to the leadership team here at OC, and, and, and what God has been uh, doing as he moves and shakes and opens doors. He closes some doors, opens windows, closes some windows as God's moving and shaking and, and, and making things to happen. I'm encouraged today. It's easy to look at the current Uh, current circumstance and the appearance of what is going on right now in our community, but I would say, church, we can be encouraged because at the end of the day, and, and, and once everything is boiled down to its truest form, God has a plan, and if we can trust Him, if we can have faith in that plan, uh, I know that He will work all things out to the good of those who love Him. Do you believe that? Let me read the Bible. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 16. The Bible says this, then he, told the, or then he told him, this is Jesus speaking a parable, a man was giving a, a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come because everything is now ready. In other words, the invite had already been given and now the servant is saying, hey, it's time. Everything is now ready. Come to this banquet. Come to this gathering, this celebration. But without uh, uh, exception, uh, they all begin to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married, and therefore I'm unable to come. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told uh, the uh, the servant, 
told his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, blind, and lame. And master, the servant said, what, are, uh, what you ordered has been done. So he goes out and does this and he comes back and he says, what you've ordered has been done. And there's still room. And so the master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. Today I want to preach on this topic, planting gardens with the guests. Planting gardens with the guests. Uh, If you don't know, uh, I, I said this last week, I'll say it probably for the weeks to come, this series is about evangelism. It's about going to make disciples, going to reach people with the gospel of Jesus, the good news, and I believe the way that we can understand evangelism, it's in our mission, we seek to, we live and exist here at OC to reach people through community, evangelism, and discipleship. That's why we are here. That's what we want to do and accomplish. We've been talking about it for a year, and now it's time to put feet to it. Amen? We want to reach people through community evangelism and discipleship. And one way we can wrap our heads around what evangelism is, is by way of definition, education, and application. That's the strategy. Definition, education, application. We can define what evangelism is, educate ourselves through small group and through the preaching and teaching of God's word, and then just do it. Go out and put feet to our faith and do evangelism. And so today I want to start this message, this part two, to God's plan called planting gardens with the guests. I want to start it by definition. I want to try and make sense of what um, uh, evangelism really is because a lot, for a lot of us, we've only ever seen evangelism flesh out by way of a, a North American Mission Board um, uh, planned out Uh, template, which is good, and I've used them, and I love them, and I support the North American Mission Board. I love it. But if that's the only definition or application or education that we have regarding evangelism, then we know very little. To be honest, evangelism can be boiled down uh, to be this simple. We've been given a command, a direct command from Jesus to go and make disciples. Look with me, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 19. The Bible says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We've been given this direct command by Jesus himself to go and make. Those are the two key words. I want you to write those down or underline them in your Bible if you do, so, if you do that. Go and make. Those are the words there. Go, therefore, and make disciples. When I look at these two words, go and make, I think of Paul. Paul is a great example because he, like us, uh, um, was totally captivated by an encounter with Jesus. And it changed his whole life. You know the story, maybe you don't. Paul, uh, on his way to persecute more Christians, found on the road to Damascus, uh, knocked off his horse. 
Knocked right off his high horse. God will do that to us sometimes. We find ourselves on a high horse. He'll knock us right off our high horse. And he blinded Paul, and, and Paul spent some days thinking about what he had spent his life doing against the kingdom of God. And in a, in a moment, he encounters Jesus, and he's persuaded. And that's the word I want to talk about. Persuaded. Jesus, or Paul says a couple times in a couple of his letters to the churches that he's been persuaded by something, right? That Jesus has persuaded him, or the gospel has persuaded him, or God has persuaded him. And so when I look at this command from Jesus to go and make, I think of Paul and how he was persuaded. He was made to Believe well this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 11, the Bible says, and this is Paul, for this gospel I was appointed a herald. In other words, an announcer, a proclaimer, a herald of this gospel. I was appointed this by Jesus. I was called to, to shout the good news, to be a herald of the gospel. He says an apostle and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what he has been or what has been entrusted to me until that day. In other words, Paul is saying that he is persuaded that God is faithful. He says that another time in another place I've been persuaded that neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor things of the air nor things down below nor any other thing in Creation can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And so a couple instances there where Paul uses that word um, persuaded. He's been persuaded that God is faithful. Now I said all that to say this, that with the command to go and make, in the example of Paul's life and how he's been persuaded by the gospel of Jesus, persuaded that God is faithful, even by way of getting knocked off his high horse and blinded, what a gospel uh, message there. Paul said, I've been persuaded. I think evangelism, evangelism is simply getting people to understand why the good news is good news to them. Do you hear what I said? It's simply Getting people to understand why the good news, the gospel of Jesus, is good news for them. Because this is, this is what we, uh, we are experiencing today. We live smack in the uh, middle of the Bible Belt. So everybody has heard the phrase, uh, the good news, or the gospel meaning the good news, right? Everybody knows that. And with that hallmark or that, 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 like that trademark, that watermark, that stamp of, of um, you know, uh, whatever, on, on the gospel, it being the good news, you go to tell somebody the good news, it's like, oh yeah, I know how this story is, I know what you're going to say to me, I know how, you, uh, how you're going to uh, take me down the Roman road, or, or whatever. People uh, know about the good news, but not a lot of people know why the good news is good news for them, and how it actually applies for them, and so what I uh, think about when I think about evangelism, or going out and making disciples, going out and telling people the good news, I think about the fact that uh, evangelism is simply the art of persuading people to trust that the gospel is in fact actually good news, and how that can actually apply to them personally 
Maybe it'll help you in this way. How does the good news apply to you? Think about your life. Think about your testimony. Anybody in here have a testimony? If you have a testimony, then you have a surefire example of how the good news of the gospel of Christ applies to you. You have a surefire example. A moment in time in your life that you can revert to and think of that applies directly to you. of How uh, the good news of Jesus has changed your life. How Jesus has come in and taken your heart captive. Let me give you a context to this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be a place of celebration, wouldn't you say? Oh, what a joyous time we're going to have when we go into the kingdom of heaven. Does anybody ever think about that? Anybody ever think about the time when uh, Jesus speaks about it? We kind of spoke a little bit about it in small group this morning. It's like how we'll be caught up to be with the Lord in the air, right? And there'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more anxiety, no worry. There'll be no more bills to pay. All that's thrown to the wayside because now all we have left to do is praise the Father and worship him forever. And some people got it mixed up because you think we're going to be bored laying on a, a fluffy cloud with harps and, and, and uh, little baby angels flying around everywhere and it's going to be nice and quiet and peaceful and we'll just be bored laying in, uh, in, in cloud hammocks. But that's not the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells this parable, and he says the kingdom of heaven is actually going to be like this celebration. It's going to be like this banquet. And he goes to say that the kingdom of heaven will be this place of celebration that is full of people who shouldn't even be there. You know what that means? The kingdom of heaven will be a celebration a place full of people who shouldn't even be there, whose guests have been told uh, to invite more guests so that whosoever will come can be a part of that celebration. And that's the, the example here in this parable as Jesus tells these people what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like and, and what it looks like to evangelize people, what it looks like to uh, invite people to the good news of the gospel, invite people to Jesus to lay their life down before the Lord. He says, hey, let me tell it to you like this in this story. A man was giving a large banquet and invited many. And the ones that were initially invited made up excuses excuses not to be there and so the master of the banquet said you know what matter of fact go out to the ones that are lame go out to the ones that are sick go out to the ones who uh typically wouldn't be a part of this celebration and just invite them in at least they'll be grateful to be a part of this celebration and so the guy goes out the servant goes out and invites them in and what happens is they come and he comes back to the master he says master I've done what you said, there's still room. And so the master says, go out to the highways and byways or highways and hedges. As a matter of fact, and this is what it means, go out to the perimeter of the city, go out as far as you need to and invite them to come in. And that's a pure depiction of our, uh, the command that we've been given as God's people to go and make. Go to great lengths, go and make. Go to as far as you need to go to the highways and hedges and make. Persuade. Preach. Tell. Confess. Testify. Preach. Pray. Show the gospel by the way you walk, talk, live, by the way that you communicate, react, respond, how we do life together. Jesus said, 
Others will know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another. He said, love one another just as I have loved you so that when others look at you, they'll know that you're my disciples. So going forward, I think evangelism is literally uh, persuading people to understand that the gospel, the good news, is actually good news and it directly applies to them by way of the blood of Jesus on the cross. Amen? Now the text says to go, and, and I'm going to share some cool stuff with you because I think God has an awesome plan for Overcome Church in this season, and I'm so excited to get started. I think we have like 62 days till spring, and so one of these things really uh, requires some okay weather. And so we have like 62 days until spring, I think. Am I right or wrong? Okay, 62. Yeah, we got 62 days till spring, and I can't wait to get started on some of this. I can't wait to be reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. I can't wait to lay hands on people in a community and just pray for them and, and give generously to them and, and be the light, a beacon of light uh, for the community around us. I've been trying to do this for months now, and we finally get to do so. And I'm just so thankful because it's by way of you, uh, by way of your devotion, by way of your determination, by way of your uh, desire to be after the heart of God and his people that we get to do this. And I'm gonna tell you a little more about that here in just a minute. But the text said to go out even as far as the highways and hedges, but we don't even have to do that. And I'm gonna show you why. Will you show the first picture? I want you to look at this. Check this out. I don't know if you know, but I could throw a rock and hit Berea High School. I could literally probably... Uh, kick a rock and it'll fall on the football field over there. What an opportunity. I want everybody just to, in case you haven't for a while, don't look at the little thing on the roof there because we got to get that fixed. But look around the room. Just look up. Look down. Look all the way around. Some of y'all took me serious and actually looked. I appreciate that. Some of y'all look mad or something. What an opportunity we have in this building. I feel like the very first day we ever stepped foot in here. Dingy old building, not a speck of paint on this back wall, no lights, no nothing. A weird chair that sat behind me that I was supposed to move and a white table that I just tried to preach from. Jenny led worship. It was amazing. Well, from that moment, we saw nothing but opportunity. You can look around this room, and the same opportunity that was there on that first day is still here. It's still here. Today, I'm talking about planting gardens with the guests. It's so crazy to me that we get this privilege to be guests to a celebration that we truly don't deserve to be at. And a cool part about it is we get to be guests that invite other guests to this celebration. And in this thing that we call church, this thing that we call evangelism and discipleship, we get to cultivate and grow like this garden for a harvest. We get to cultivate and grow. It's called making disciples. We get to truly learn and teach one another and be molded and shaped by the word of God. We get to grow together and we become a harvest for the kingdom of God. We get to build up something uh, magical 
in this garden called church. And it involves planting gardens with the guests. It's crazy. Berea High School is right there. And boy, do we have plans to go over there very soon. We want to reach the faculty. We want to reach the teachers. We want to uh, have good communion with the principal and the, and, the, and the office ladies. If you can get the office ladies at school on board with you, sold. Sold. So flowers are going their direction. Donuts, cakes, bunt cakes, everything. I don't care what I got to do. I got to get the office ladies on board. Okay? But no, in a more serious tone, we plan so, uh, uh, so soon to establish relationships with the principal and the faculty there at uh, Berea High School. I think it's a miss if we don't uh, focus on that school that's literally connected to our property here. We have plans to uh, be so much a part of what they do in their sports programs, so much a part of what they do uh, in the FCA there, doing fifth quarters and, and uh, uh, feeding the sports teams and being there to evangelize and disciple the students that literally spend time, uh, the majority of their time, each week right there. Such an awesome opportunity. Now let me tell you how, uh, how much we need uh, to do something like that. It's a lot. We need you. We need you. We need people after God's own heart. People of faith to rise up and get on board with the mission. To go and be a part of something that's so much greater than yourselves. So much greater than just OC. Something so much greater than Berea or the Upstate. This is an opportunity to reach people with the gospel of Jesus and particularly in this case young people that literally spend the majority of their time right there. And they live in the communities right there. The, did you know the majority of our population here at OC, the majority of you come from everywhere but Berea? That means we got work to do. And we got plenty of people to do the work. And it's amazing. That's what I'm saying when I look around here and I think, wow, what an opportunity. What an opportunity that we have to really make an impact in this city. In this region, at this time, all the infrastructure is here. All the, all the laborers are here. The harvest is plentiful. I want you to see another picture. Go to the second picture here. Here's another opportunity that we're going to take in about 62 days. I might try to fudge it a little bit and make it 60 days or 55 days or as soon as possible. I want to do this as soon as possible. We have plans. We've, we've planned it out and, and I'm working with permissions and I'm working with uh, communications with these communities and, and communications with the people that, uh, that own and operate these communities. We want to do things that are just generous. We want to be generous. We want to be a beacon of light for the communities and these two communities are uh, our strategic focal points. One, uh, for many different reasons, but for one reason, they're the most accepting of a church just coming in and doing cool stuff like this and so praise the Lord for them. But we, uh, we have great plans to go out there and involve all of you to go give free food. We want to bring like a grill and a, and a tent, some yard games and 
just put on a good time there. But ultimately, before all is said and done, I want to physically lay my hands on some people and pray for them. I want to ask people, how can I pray for you? I want to preach a 15-minute evangelistic message and not just invite them to church by way of a pamphlet or a business card. I want to really reach people. I want to do what God said to go and to make. I want to actually reach people out there in the highways and hedges. This isn't even the highways and hedges. This is literally in our backyard. What a privilege, what an honor, what a, what a great joy it is to have this availability here, have this opportunity, and to build these relationships and really use this time as a, as a church wisely that we have to reach the people around us. Like I said, it's crazy to think that the majority, as a matter of fact, the, uh, the large majority of our population here at OC comes from everywhere but Berea. That means, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, we have great opportunity. Do you believe that? We have such a great opportunity to reach people here. And it's not about bringing people into this building to fill it up and make it louder on a Sunday. It's not about doing any of it. It's about changing people's lives. It's about really persuading the community around us why the good news is good news. Amen? Why is it good news to you? Why do you get excited when you think about, why do we get butterflies when we think about the very fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and now by way of deposit, he has placed the Holy Spirit himself inside of us. That is exciting, that is ridiculous, it's crazy, I don't deserve it, we don't deserve it, but we get this opportunity. And if anything, I'm so thankful that I get to just be the biggest cheerleader of all that. I'm nobody special. I want to debunk any rumor that may be out that, that, is, uh, that says that um, I'm somebody other than just a, a human being that's sinful and that forgets a lot and messes up all the time. But for whatever reason, I get the privilege to preach the gospel to a bunch of other sinners, <laughs> a bunch of other people that are not worthy to be in the same celebration I get the privilege to be in. What an amazing opportunity we get right here in this building. And on this property, we complain that we don't really have a dedicated space for the students. We complain that we don't really have much room for the kids because the kids are popping down there on a Sunday and on a Wednesday and, and all that. But you know what? I'm just proud to have this opportunity that we have a space and an opportunity to reach the people directly behind us. I really feel burdened for these communities, and so does the leadership team. And so we will make every effort in this next, very soon in this next new year, uh, to reach Berea High School. That is going to be our focus for the young people here at OC is Berea High School. Uh, these two communities that you see on the map here literally will be our focus on just being that beacon of light. I think about when I say a beacon of light, like the church is supposed to be a city set on a hill, a beacon of light for the community, right? I think about a lighthouse, and I have this weird attachment with lighthouses. We can go into that later, but one thing about a lighthouse that is so captivating to me is the thing that comes with the lighthouse. So the lighthouse is a beacon of light for those ships caught in a storm out at sea. But attached to a lighthouse is something called a forerunner. You know what a forerunner is? 
A forerunner is a smaller ship that if it not- if the if the master of the lighthouse notices that a ship is caught and cannot navigate in. Now we have modern technology, so this is not necessarily the case anymore. But back when modern technology was not the case, the master of the lighthouse would notice that there's a ship out there and it can't get its way in here. So he sends the forerunner, a man that operates a smaller ship, to navigate through the storm, navigate through the muck, navigate through the tragedy, navigate through the hardship, navigate through the pain, navigate through the scare of the scary moments, and go to the one that's stuck out there at sea to lead them back to where salvation is, to lead them back to the beacon of light. We have been commissioned by God to go and to make. We're a bunch of forerunners that get the privilege to go to these communities around us and lead people into this beacon of light. Amen? What a privilege. What a privilege. Bless you. One thing that I hear the Lord saying, though, as I study these things and as I think about all this thing, all these things, is uh, you got to know your role, church. Know your role. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder. Say, "Know your role." Oh, y'all got to help me preach. Tap your neighbor, your other neighbor, on the shoulder. Say, "Know your role." You got to know your role, church. And this is what the Bible says about the role of God's servant. It's so awesome. It's so extraordinary. Uh, chapter one, or I mean, First uh, Corinthians, chapter three. I'm sorry, verse five through seven. The Bible says this. This is Paul. He's speaking uh, in a different context, but he answers a question as he's speaking in this in this context, and we'll clear it up at the end. Uh, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? He says, they're servants through whom you believed, and each has the role that the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. I'll read that one more time. I planted, Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Some of your versions may say the increase, but God gave the increase. And so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Man, boy, don't we lift our prophets and preachers and pastors up on pedestals. Don't do that. The one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. Now he's speaking about how these people are lifting them up to be something great. And Paul's like, what are we? We're nothing. What are you talking about? We just serve the Lord in this. And in our faithfulness to the Lord, this happens. And so it's uh, I that planted and Apollos watered. But God gives the increase and he's giving that. But what I want to say to you in that is that in this explanation from Paul, we get to understand our role as servants of the Lord. We're simply here to plant and to water. We're here to go and to make. And God, when we do that faithfully, God gives the increase, right? When we step out on faith and when we put ourselves on the back burner uh, with a heart for God's people, when we go and make, God gives the increase. We're throwing seeds. We're pouring water. It's on God to give the increase. So many times I think the strategy of a church is to plant water and increase it exponentially. 
fast as possible. Let's grow, 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 grow. And what you end up being is a church like the, uh, like the, the, the seeds that fell on the path, sprouted up quickly, but had no roots, no sustenance, no good soil. We have an opportunity to plant gardens with the guests. It's a beautiful picture of what God has intended for us to do here at OC, here in Berea to plant gardens with the guests, to reach people through community, evangelism, and discipleship, to go out and make disciples, to be guests of the party, inviting other guests, to invite other guests to come grow a garden with us. It's a beautiful picture and a wild opportunity that we are all privileged to have here at Overcome Church. We get the privilege to participate in the building up of God's kingdom here on earth and more applicable here in Berea. But you have to know your role. You have to know that it's not on us to give the increase. It's simply on us to walk in faith. When we walk in faith, when we don't just wither away at the first sight of a hot sun, when we walk in faith and we abide and we consist and we press forward with hearts after God, not hearts after a movement, not hearts after uh, uh, um, uh, a mantra, but hearts after God and his people, we'll see growth and we'll see increase. We'll see God do amazing things. God has huge plans for the people that make up this body here at OC. I want you to hear me when I say this. He has huge plans for the people that make up this body here at OC. And he wants to use each and every one of us to reach the community around us and make a true impact. But the ball's in your court. It's not just in the pastor's court. It's not just in the trustee team's court or the people that lead the different ministries here at OC. It's in your court. It's in our court together. We have decisions to make as people of God here at OC. You have to make a decision. Will you step out on faith? Will you work hard and get involved to make an impact? And this is hard to even say, but Will you choose consumer Christianity and make excuses like the, like the people we found in our text? The people that were originally invited to the party? Ah, it's more comfortable here. Sorry, we won't be coming. Ah, it's easier over here. I got oxes. To, I got to see if they work. Uh, just got married. Or I just had a baby. God really wants to use you here at OC. 
man does he want to use you and what a privilege it is that he wants to because honestly like i said we get to be guests of the party inviting other guests to the party that we don't deserve to be at anyway but for whatever reason we're invited because he loves us his love is so great we get this privilege to uh, to invite whosoever will to come under the good news of the gospel of jesus and be a part of the fold right here at OC, right here in Berea. God has a plan, church. Band, if you want to, you can come up. I'm closing quickly. But right here as it stands and and very prophetically, I thank you, Sherry, for sharing what the Lord spoke to you and and, and, and much uh, affirmation. I mean, he shared the same thing with me. We have a decision to make, church. Will you step out on faith? Will you work hard and get involved to make an impact? We need your help. This is how we do church together. We don't do church as one or two people see fit. We do church together to make an impact. It takes a tribe. It takes a group of us. We need time, talent, and resource. We need you to get involved. We need somebody that's going to flip a burger on a grill out here in one of these communities. We need somebody that loves kids to really engage with the kids of that community and get them involved in a game, to love on them. Maybe you'll be the first one that they've ever felt actually loved them. We need somebody to give some money to pay for some hot dogs. It's not all about the money you can give, but money is a resource that we need. We need to pay for hot dogs. We need to pay for burgers, even if it's the cheap ones from Sam's. What I'm saying is, God has so many great plans, and these are just skimming the top of what He wants to do here and through OC. But it's going to take you stepping out in faith and getting involved in a real way, in a real way, getting hands-on with the mission of God here at OC. There's lives to be changed. There's people that need Jesus all around us. We're not here to make up a social club. We're here to reach people through community, evangelism, and discipleship. Amen? I want to share this last verse with you. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And let this be our prayer. The Bible says this, this is the Lord speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so God, our our prayer today is that you, through your Holy Spirit's power, would do some spiritual surgery that you would remove the heart of stone from us, God, and that you would give us a heart of flesh, a heart after your people. Make us to love people like you love people. In our devotion to you, God, we just want to reach people through community, evangelism, and discipleship. We don't just want to talk about it, we want to be about it. I pray for people of faith to rise up and go all in 
get hands-on with the mission here at OC. I pray that you would speak mightily to the people here. That you would motivate and captivate the hearts here. We got work to do. Forgive us for every time we made it about anything other than you. Help us, Lord, to truly make an impact in this community with the, the oil we have left. We ask your anointing today in Jesus' name.